You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai. We're focusing on keeping our children doggone safe around our canine friends. For regular listeners, you know the drill, so brace yourself for my rant of the week. Half of all kids in the U.S. get dog bit by age 12, with 5 to 9-year-olds and boys at significantly higher risk. The stats are doubly tragic when you realize most dog bites are preventable. Now, I know it's not politically correct to blame the victim, the bitten child. So instead, I'm going to point fingers at the parents. What were you thinking? Certainly accidents happen. You may have done everything right. Too often, parents simply assume that good old Poochie loves the kiddos and should put up with tail-pulling, eye-poking, neck-hugging, toddler-chasing, kid-screaming shenanigans. Now, folks... We teach our children to look both ways to cross the streets. We teach them about stranger danger, but we're sadly lacking in dog safety education. Our children pay the price, and good old Poochie too often pays with his life. My guest today is familiar name to you, Jennifer Shryock. She's a certified dog behavior consultant with the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. She's also the U.S. coordinator for the Dog on Safe Dog Bite Prevention Program. So gather all your kids together to listen, furry ones and otherwise. And we'll be right back with Jennifer Shryock after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Pick up something unique at a Bone to Pick dog boutique. A Bone to Pick has cool hip fashions for big and small dogs that will have their tails wagging in style. Cat products too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Check out our eco-friendly pet products and gifts for humans too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Get your pet's mouth watering monthly with our Gourmet Treat of the Month Club. And join a Bone to Pick's free birthday club for your puppy. A B O N E dash to dash p-i-c-k dot com pick up something special for your best friend at a bone to pick a-b-o-n-e dash t-o dash p-i-c-k dot com get 10% off with coupon code petlife pets are part of the family and when traveling with your dog there's only one magazine to include when packing your doggy's duffel bag and that's Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Each bi-monthly issue includes hotel, city and state reviews, and doggy destinations to explore with your furry companion. Fido Friendly magazine can be found at Borders, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, Pet Boutiques, and Fido Friendly hotels nationwide. Or you can go online to subscribe at www.fidofriendly.com. 
So get traveling with your pet today and leave no dog behind. And remember, Fido Friendly's the only magazine dedicated to the travel lifestyle of man's best friend and the one magazine your dog will thank you for. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Join us each week for Pets in the City with your host, Diane West. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So take a bite out of the Big Apple with Pets in the City every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. And please help me welcome Jennifer Shryock, a dog and child relationship expert. Welcome back to the show, Jennifer. Thank you, Amy. Well, now, folks who did not get the chance to listen to your show before, tell us a little bit about yourself. What dogs, what cats do you have? What do you share your life with? Well, we do have a full household here. I have four dogs currently. One is a foster dog. His name is Duke. He's a German Shepherd. But we currently, in our family, have a pit bull named Windsor. We have a Malamute Shepherd mix named Corinne, and we have a Siberian Husky named Bailey. We have four cats. We have a foster mama cat and her six babies, so that keeps us busy. I have a 12-year-old son, a 10-year-old son, and a 7-year-old daughter, and a very tolerant husband. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, you know, where where do the people sleep in all of this? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. A very busy household. Well, I know that in our other show about uh, keeping babies safe and introducing uh, babies to dogs and vice versa, you said that when you started your family, that's when you started being aware of some of these issues and kind of fostered the whole idea of the kids' safety aspect. The the stats are really scary, Jennifer. That you know, that's a lot of bites. Um, Do people assume that the majority of bites are from the strange dog, the stray dog, and and is that true? You know, I think people have a misconception about dogs and, you know, dog bites and how it happens. I think um, every time I do an event or at an activity where there's families, um, I commonly will hear, I'm there with my dog safety program or dog on safe materials and people will walk by and say, oh, my dog loves the kids. My dog's great. Oh, my dog's a good dog. And it's this generalized assumption that dogs that bite are not good dogs. And, you know, it always makes me cringe because biting really is a form of communication and even dogs... Dogs that bite aren't necessarily bad dogs, you know. It's a form of communication, and um, I think a lot of times there's this misconception, and there's always that first bite that they have to do where they've been pushed over the edge, you know what I mean? Right, right. A lot of times, even good dogs can have enough, and sadly enough, that happens very frequently. So, again, you know, I think there's a misunderstanding about why bites happen, and 
what kind of dogs might happen to bite. But they don't come wearing horns. You know what I'm saying? Right. We can't just look at them and say, ah, that one's a biter. Not always. <laughs> you know, we can't always know that, you know? Well, and I know when um, I have a, a German Shepherd came into my life, I was very uh, aware of the potential there because, I mean, he came in, he was 11 pounds, and he outweighed the cat. But mm-hmm. I knew he was going to get big. And what's cute in a puppy ain't so cute in a 90-pound adult dog. And, you know, dogs use their mouths. Um, They don't have hands. And maybe a lot of these dogs don't even know how to inhibit their bite. And they aren't meaning to hurt people. They're just being dogs. Right. It's very important that dogs learn how to use their mouth in a soft way. And again, I know that you had a program earlier, and I I believe with Steve Dale, where he talked about bite inhibition and how important it is for uh, puppies to learn that from the mother dog, but also in their interaction with people early on that, you know, gentle mouth is appropriate. And um, when they use their mouth inappropriately, then it hurts. And, you know, it's important. I I have, you know, again, my, my boy Windsor, who's, um, he's learning appropriate contact and he's learning how to play comfortably um, and when rough is too rough. And we have to teach dogs. They, they don't always know how to fit into our world. It's our responsibility to teach them how to fit into so, our world appropriately. So how, do you, how are you teaching Windsor? Windsor, you know, um, again, he's a rescue. Um, he was not socialized properly. Um, he's about three years old, and he spent a life on a chain, um, and and I believe was played pretty roughly, um, and he doesn't know how to play quite right. So I use a um, at or I you know let him know I've had enough um, by using a vocal, um, and he immediately backs off and says, "Whoops, I'm sorry, I didn't know." <laughs> you know, it, it, it the look on his face lets me know he didn't realize that 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 was too rough, and immediately I give him something else to be a little rougher with. Um, you know, so he doesn't know if he's playing. But the good thing is, he doesn't continue it. He stops. He doesn't, you know, he stops and he he doesn't do that again. Um, you know, he doesn't clamp down, or, and he immediately pulls back and, and moves on to something else. Puppies don't always know how how much pressure to put with their teeth, again, when they're learning, and it's up to us, especially at the younger age, to teach that so that when they are adult dogs, such as my boy, they don't have to go through that. It's harder when they're older dogs. <laughs> well, I know uh, with with Magic, uh, I used an ouch, and, uh, you know, when he was playing, because puppies, especially when they're teething also, they need something Absolutely. to chew on, and it just cannot be a piece of you. <laughs> so I, he had, you know, he had... Um, three chances. He had an ouch that was yep. a warning. He had a second ouch that was higher higher pitch that stopped the play and I back away. Exactly. And the third ouch, you know, he was he went into a timeout. He hated timeouts, so he learned <laughs> really, really quick. Right. And that's that's similar too. And and again, it's much easier when they're puppies to get that established versus, you know, my boy who's about three years old and he's he's Having to be kind of trained at an older age, again, sometimes you have to do that with rescue dogs. You have to teach them because they weren't taught early on how to play appropriately and how to, how to do this appropriately. But don't yeah. you see also, isn't it joyful when you see that light bulb go off and he says, oh, my gosh, we're communicating. That's what you meant. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it, it is. It's fantastic. 
let me go back here a minute about the dog bite issue. Are mm. are attacks on the rise, or is this just really a lot of hand waving by the media on slow news days? I mean, dogs are all that dangerous, and this is something I post to Steve Dale. If they're that dangerous, why do sixty percent of of the U.S. households have dogs? Well, you know, I, I think it's it makes good news to be honest with you. I think people like drama. Um, I, you know, I don't think it's so much on the rise. I think we have a lot more dogs in homes, and uh, I think it just makes good news. People like drama. And, you know, um, again, we have a lot of false reports or reports that are inaccurate, um, and I think it's very damaging. Um, you know, there was the report, we just had a really good example where the information was totally inaccurate. The initial reports were completely inaccurate. And, you know, a lot of animals are paying with their life for this. And I, I really would encourage, you know, I just hope that that, that kind of, um, I think it's irresponsible. I think it's irresponsible uh, media um, in that regard. And it's damaging, but it gets people in high alert and the dogs are getting a really bad rap for it. And um, I think that there are some circumstances, again, where, you know, it's misleading and um, it's unfortunate. Because really, the key is education. That is the bottom line, education. Getting this kind of programs like Dog on Safe Speed Tree Program into schools, getting education. I can tell you, when I do the Be a Tree Program in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and I go back year after year and those kids share with me what worked for them and how they use these skills. And I see my daughter at three years, you know, from three years on, she's been doing Beatrice since she was three, automatically when excitable dogs come up to her and she just stands and bees a tree and the dogs settle down and her friends copy what she does with an excitable, happy dog. I know that when an unfamiliar dog comes up to her, I know she'll automatically know what to do. That's what we need. We need education. We, that's what we need. So why do bites happen? You're talking about these excitable dogs, and they aren't necessarily coming to attack you, but they're just excited. And, you know, kids scream and run around in high-pitched voices. They move Mm. differently than adults. And so are these circumstances that parents need to be aware of? Well, there's so many reasons why bites happen. There are so many reasons. There are reasons that happen, you know, in the home. There's reasons that happen out of the home. What I try to educate across the board is practicing what to do under any circumstance that's going to be the safest thing to do around, you know, for example, a loose, unfamiliar dog. And the the reason I gave that example of an excitable, happy dog is because I want kids to be conditioned to uh, respond appropriately should an unfamiliar dog and in the scariest of situations, if if they have practiced in comfortable situations, then when they're in a scary situation, they're going to be more inclined to do the right thing. Does that make sense? If they're going to their friend's house and their excitable dog comes up to them at the house and they practice being a tree, well, then if they're just routinely practicing with friendly dogs and then they go into a situation where a strange, unfamiliar dog comes up to them and they're used to being a tree, that's fantastic because they're, they're going to naturally do that. So I want children to be familiar with, wow, when a dog is out of control, this is what I do. Not just when it's a scary dog. Sometimes then it's too late. They don't do it because they're panicking. I want them to be doing it with dogs that are out of control versus just scary dogs. 
that's that's my okay. So it's kind of a, a natural a natural default yes. uh, fail safe for our children. Yes. Great. Well, I want to talk with you a little bit more, and then we were talking about Beatrice, and I think our listeners maybe are a little puzzled by that phrase. So. We're going to continue our conversation with Jennifer Shryock and learn all about Be a Tree and Doggone Safe after messages from these sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Does your dog have problems walking with its back legs? If so, your dog is one of 58 million dogs that suffer with problems with its rear leg. Problems such as spinal myelopathy, arthritis, and hip dysplasia. Bottoms Up Leash helps your dog walk. It's a rear support harness that has won numerous awards, such as Dog Fancy's Editor's Choice Award, as Product of the Year, and it's been featured on CBS and Good Morning America. Visit the website www.seniorpetsupplies.com. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. There's nothing like a shaggy dog, baby. They're shagatemic. And this is the place to find out how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Oh, yeah. So stop by our pad every week and get switched on, baby. Switched on to the show that's all about attitude. Oh, behave. With your groovy host, pet edutainer Arden Moore. Yeah, baby, yeah. Every week on demand on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back. And again, speaking with Jennifer Shryock, the owner of Family Paws, a dog behavior consulting service. She's also behind the highly successful Dogs and Storks canine re-education course that offers hope to the parents-to-be of expectant dog lovers. Welcome back, Jennifer. Before the break, we were talking about Be a Tree and the Dog on Safe program. Can you describe what, what exactly are those? The Dog on Safe program is a program available to anybody who would like to go out into schools or educate children about dog safety. It's a fantastic program, interactive program. Um, where we educate children and provide them with tools to be successful when encountering unfamiliar dogs. And we really provide a lot of education about understanding and looking at dogs' body language so that we can empower children to um, 
make a good choice about whether to approach a dog or not. And our program's based on looking at the body language and, and what the dog is, basically it's based on respect and what the dog's communicating back to them, which I think is a really important point. And we, in particular, when it comes to being a tree, and I know you had mentioned this before um, the break, the way that we position being a tree, because I know there's so many different poses, and we really looked at and researched the various different positions and postures for being a tree. And we chose this particular posture for our being a tree. If you go to the Dog on Safe website, you'll see pictures of it. To stand with your feet, obviously, planted in the ground. So we tell kids to pretend your feet are the roots growing into the ground. Have your hands folded right around your belt line, you know, um, just clasped, clasped and relaxed. And look down at your feet and think about something in your mind. So whether you're counting to 100 in your mind or thinking of a song or, you know, going to a place calm in your mind, um, we like to give kids something to do in their mind versus just standing there. And the reason we suggest people look down at their feet um, and think about something is to take their mind off of looking at the dog. A lot of times people will say, stare at the sky or look straight ahead. I worry about that mostly because I think dogs can, we know dogs are very visual and we know that they can look at pupils and they can, dogs, dogs look at everything and they see signs so much faster than I think we interpret signs. They're going to see fear. They're going to see pupil dilation. They're going to see everything else that is happening in a fearful child. So we really like to have the kids just relax and look down at their feet and imagine their roots growing in deep into the ground. And that's part of what we try to have the kids visualize. And I like the hands to stay down around the waist because I really don't want to draw attention with the child moving their hands up, upward. I've worked with many dogs that are reactive even to subtle movement. I've had dogs that react to even a pinky moving. If a dog is in a high arousal state and truly has the intention of doing harm, any motion upwards, okay? So if you fold your hands up or tuck your hands under your armpits, any motion upwards is going to draw the dog up. I really Ah. don't want that to happen. So that's why... I want them to calmly fold their hands just right where they are, which is around the waistline. So we're not drawing attention upwards. That's one of the reasons I really like that position. And we suggest that they hold this position until the dog moves away or until help comes. I don't encourage kids to be screaming, mostly because every type of stimuli is going to potentially trigger the dog to react more. Right. And, you know, everybody screams differently. You know, when you're scared... You might do a very high-pitched scream, which can sound much more enticing to a dog, and that's just not a safe thing to recommend. So those are the things that we do recommend. Stand, be a tree with your hands folded, looking down at your feet, watching your words grow on the ground, fold your branches in, and count your head as high as you can or think of something until the dog moves away or help comes. Well, you said that that dogs can can recognize fear, the the, the pupillary dilation and, and all of that. What a dog that is seeing or sensing fear in a person, what is that going to what is that going to do with the dog? Is that going to escalate the aggression possibly or the excitability or what how's the dog going to react to that? Well, I think some I think, you know, again, not to generalize, I think there are the chances that for some dogs, if you are acting oddly for a person, or you are acting unusual or bizarrely or, uh, you know, a little different, that can throw a dog off. Again, if you're acting extremely stiff or um, unusual, 
you know, it could trigger a dog to act differently as well or, you know, defensively. Right. It just depends. So, again, I, I would prefer not to get a lot of visual. Uh, again, it's if you're looking down, you're taking away one more interaction. Don't look at the dog. What are you going to do? It's impossible right. not to look at the dog. <laughs> you know? <laughs> look at your feet. And, okay, I can do that. <laughs> you know? Right, and, and eye contact with, with a dog, that also can cause problems. Especially if you're in that fear state or if you're in an unsure state, you know, where you're feeling really anxious or really fearful, that's definitely not a time we want to be getting eye contact, especially if you're lower to that, you know, lower and, and closer to the dog. That's not a time we want to be doing that. So I really, really, um, this is this is to me and what we found this to be, what we found this to be was a safer position. And that's why we recommend this posture. Okay, you mentioned also that uh, the Dog on Safe program emphasizes understanding dog body language. So, what are some signs that you you uh, teach people to watch for, and what do they mean? We really love kids to become doggy detectives, and we encourage kids to gather the clues. And I always tell kids, you know, the dogs give clues. You never solve a case with just one clue. You need to gather the clues. And dogs give clues using their ears, their eyes, their tail, their muzzle. They lean forward, they lean back. So let's look at the dog. Let's look at the clues. Looking at their ears and their eyes, what are they telling you? It's amazing even three- and four-year-olds can tell you. You put three dog pictures in front of a child, and they will tell you the differences. And they'll, if, you, if you ask them, you know, what's this one saying? They'll put words in the dog's mouth. They'll tell you stress. They'll tell you what's going on. They're much better. Children are much better at pointing out the difference in body language than most adults. And it's really, really fascinating when I go to preschools and I go to four-year-old classes, what they'll give me as far as what the dog is saying to them. So for those who think that children aren't understanding and aren't able to pick up on dog body language, I absolutely disagree. Children read dogs better. And if we can help tune them in earlier, they're much better at assessing a dog. If they know (laughs) that licking lips means, you know, maybe I've had enough. Maybe I want you to leave me alone now. Maybe when I turn away, it means, you know what? Thank you for petting me. I've had enough now. Maybe a shake off when the dog shakes off, like after a bath, after a child's just pet them. Maybe, you know, a child can recognize, you know what? They've had enough now. They said, thank you. I'm done. You know, I encourage children. This is another thing, you know, to... Give a dog, you know, pet them, pet them, and then stop petting and see, does the dog ask for more or do they go away? Cats, this is important too. Do they rub into you or do they say, you know what, I've had enough and walk away? Cats will walk away and swish their tail and dogs will move away or go lay down, you know. It just depends. Do they, or do they come over and nuzzle you for more? Does a cat rub against you and say, yeah, you know, I want some more? What do they do? Give the dog or the animal a choice to leave you. And a lot of times that's the kicker. Children just think, oh, fur, I must have you. I must (laughs) catch you to my, fill my need. And adults feel this way too. Well, and something that I think uh, could be effective, and I use this in my columns a lot of time, is is to to put put the pet owner in the pet's shoes, so to speak, in their paw steps, and say, "Well, how did you feel when Great Aunt Ethel came in and swooped down and hugged you and pinched your cheek and wouldn't leave you alone?" Absolutely, and kids get it. 
kids so get it. You go up to a child, oh, your, oh what cute little cheeks you have. And they're like, oh, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Jennifer, where can people find out more about the Doggone Safe program and helping their kids and maybe becoming a teacher themselves going into schools? Where can they get this information? DoggoneSafe.com. And they can also, there's Doggone Safe also, um, the founders of Doggone Safe also have a board game called Doggone Crazy that is really super fun for kids and t- covers an awful lot of body language. And it's really an excellent tool for helping kids become familiar with different different situations and, and looking at some of those things and really pinpointing is this a safe time to approach or not approach and that kind of thing. And that's doggone crazy. So that's another thing. But if they go to doggonesafe.com, that'll take them there. And there's a lot of, there's some video footage and there's a lot of information and material and free resources and a whole lot of information up there. So just doggonesafe.com. Well, we are out of time, and I would like to thank Jennifer Shryock again and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. You can get transcripts that way, too. Happy howls until next time. Now, don't whine about the dog's relationship with your kids. Do something about it. Protect your human children and your fluffy ones by arming yourself with good canine education, or else you risk getting seriously peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>